Virginia's new allocated bourbon distribution system, sharing expensive bottles with whiskey noobs, and my favorite entry-level bourbon? Those are just a few of the questions that we're going to talk about in this episode of Whiskey Noobs. But before we get to that, my name is Chris, and I am the host of the show. Also, before we get to the questions today, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who submitted a question and to everybody who has been on the Instagram page lately and helping to just really blow that up. I am so grateful for the growth that that page has had lately, and I'm very thankful for all of you who are submitting these questions. That being said, I do officially have too many questions for one episode. Uh, There's no possible way I can answer all of these in the depth that I normally do in one episode. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted them. What I'm going to do a little bit differently, if your question is answered directly by an episode that I've done, I'm going to just refer you to that episode. And then I'm also, a good deal of these questions are going to be lightning round questions where I'm just going to crank out answers to them at the end of the episode because I do want to still answer all of these at least. That way, um, that is what you were promised, is I would answer your questions, and I absolutely intend to do that. Moving forward, for now, I'm going to stick with answering every question. Um, Maybe this was just a spike that does happen sometimes, uh, but if it gets too much to answer all of them every month, month after month, um, we might have to come up with a new system for how I'm going to select them. But thank you so much to everybody who submitted these questions. Keep them coming. I'm absolutely going to try to continue to answer them, even if it's just lightning round style. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted these questions. And without further ado, I'm going to do a very quick mystery review. It's going to be quick this time. I'm drinking a mystery whiskey that has been on the show. And you can try to guess based on the notes that I'm giving what it is. And it might help you learn with your blind tasting skills. It might help you learn how to um, do a blind tasting or how to guess based on, on notes that you're you, you're, you yourself are tasting if you do a blind tasting. So I'm going to do that very quickly, and then we will get on with the questions. So to keep this one short and sweet, on the nose, it is sweet. It is a little bit grainy as well. And then on the palate, you've got distinct sweetness, more of like a honey-type sweetness, a little bit of graininess, and then also some light fruit that I'm not going to nail down until later on in the episode. That way you have some time to chew on those notes that I just gave. But without further ado, let's get to the questions. So as I mentioned, the first chunk of these I'm going to answer about as in-depth as I have always answered them, maybe a little bit less because we do have a lot to get through. And then there will be a lightning round at the end where I'm going to answer them all just very quickly. I'm just going to hit a question, hit the answer, just that sort of a thing. Because uh, we have quite a few questions and we would be here all night to get through all of these questions. So once again, as always, thank you guys for submitting them. I am not complaining in any way. I'm so grateful to have the interaction that we have and the ability to have my listeners actually ask me the questions that they want to hear me answer. Thank you for submitting those. Let's start with the first question here. What Buffalo Trace product is worth secondhand price? That is a very excellent question. Depending on how high the secondhand price is, I'm going to venture to say almost none of them to me. There's almost no whiskey to me that is like any kind of an allocated bourbon that is worth the secondhand price, in my opinion, unless, unless it is for the purpose of I've never had it before and I really want to try it so badly that I'm willing to pay the secondhand price, I can understand that. 
but I feel like that almost always leads to disappointment. Um, so I, to me, most allocated stuff is not worth the secondhand price. Uh, maybe if you can find it at a store at a slightly higher price, but not necessarily like secondhand market level high. Sometimes those can be good. You know, I've heard of people buying Buffalo Trace for like 30, 35. I would argue if you've never had it, 35, maybe even 40, that's fair. But people who message me and say they bought it for like 60 and hated it, I feel terrible for them because they got their hopes up and it's not a $60 bottle by any means. It's not even probably a $40 bottle. It is just a really good 20 to 35, I'd say, dollar bottle, 25 to 35 dollar bottle. Um, So if you never tried it, go for it. But most of the time, the secondhand prices to me are pretty outrageous. All right, moving on to our next question. Is there any sweeter whiskey that I recommend for a newbie like yourself? It depends on the type of sweetness. Um, I always get the, the type of question of either sweetness, a sweet whiskey, or like a caramel type whiskey. It's tough because you can have two sweet whiskeys that taste very different. Uh, you can have two whiskeys that both have caramel notes on the forefront, and they still happen to taste rather different. And so I think depending on what you're looking for, sometimes an Irish can be very sweet, very silky on the tongue, but it also, with the sweetness, there's this weird almost bit of bitterness to it. And it's this totally different way of experiencing the sweetness that you almost get these like slightly bitter but not bitey almost like i actually was thinking about this the other day it almost reminds me of swiss cheese how it's got like a slightly bitter taste but not like a bitey bitter um that's how some when i say some of these whiskeys have sweetness and bitterness at the same time that's the type of like bitterness that i'm talking about so i think that um a lot of Irish whiskeys, like uh, if you're willing to spend the money on it, like Redbreast 12 is just so welcoming. It's got nice fruity type notes, good sweetness. Um, I think that one is a great, very sweet whiskey. And then on the flip side of that coin, you've got bourbons that are also sweet in a totally different way. They're sweet, but they're also like oaky. And so with bourbons, instead of getting that subtle bitterness that you kind of get with something malty like an Irish, like I was explaining, sometimes with scotch as well, with a bourbon, instead, you get the sweetness with a punch. So the the less pleasant thing, rather than being bitterness, is more of like a punch or a bite or a little bit of spiciness. So typically... Um, bourbons can be very welcoming if they're not too strong because that bite doesn't really feel like the same as the alcohol bite. And it also can sometimes cover up a little bit of the alcohol bite if it's a spicy flavor. If it's got a very strong baking spice with maybe some black pepper, if it's got that type of thing going on, a lot of times that can help cover up that alcohol burn. So, All of that is to say, I always recommend for newer folks to try like a bourbon and then something else, usually a uh, scotch or an Irish whiskey. And I still stick to that because I think that's a great way to feel both ends of the spectrum and see how there's sweetness from two very different perspectives. All of that is to say, try one of those probably. And don't just try one and think that you can't drink whiskey. So I always try to tell people, maybe you just haven't found the type of sweetness that you're looking for. 
The next question is one that I did have to research, full transparency, because I, I don't live in Virginia, but it says, thoughts on Virginia's new allocated bourbon distribution system. So I did have to look this up a little bit, and I have only you know briefly read, and it sounds like what they're doing is they are trying to keep people from camping out at stores before the shipment comes and just buying it up all at once whenever the shipment comes. Instead, what Virginia is trying to do is they're going to take their allocated bourbon and they're going to distribute it at random to random liquor stores and it's going to be released on random days, not one shipment day per week where all of a sudden you know everybody knows about it and everybody's in line an hour before the place opens. But it's going to be random days, random stores, randomly distributed. And I am on the fence about this um, because I like that I can't... I think it might, in a way, make it less accessible to the folks who are not retired collectors, the folks who work a day job. On allocation day, I can kind of plan around that and try to get there on my lunch break or I can try to get there before... Usually, they're not open before work, but... Typically for me, it's my lunch break or I can have somebody who isn't working that day go get it, either um, my wife or a friend, something like that. So it almost makes it less accessible to people like me. But at that same rate, I'd like to see how it works because maybe it does make it more accessible. Maybe so many people don't know where or when it's going to drop that it's more like you just get lucky being in a liquor store on a random Tuesday going to get whatever you're going to get, and you just get lucky, and there's some of it there. So maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. Um, I could go either way with that. I do think, like, you know, the way it's done in Ohio right now, where it's done the other way in Ohio, where everybody knows this liquor store gets their shipment on Fridays, and there is the parking lot's jam-packed when the shipment comes in. And that, like for me, that doesn't do nothing for me. I, I can't be in line at 8 in the morning on a Friday. Like I said, maybe I can get a friend to or I can go on my lunch break. Um, but then I'm only getting the stuff that's still there on my lunch break, which is usually you're easier to get stuff in Ohio. Weller is a great example of that. So I'd be interested to see how it works. That's my thoughts on it is I don't know how I feel about it. I'm interested to see how it works. It might make it more accessible for some folks or it might only make it accessible to the people who either work a strange work schedule um, and can get there at the drop of a hat or um, are retired or something like that. That might also be the case. Yeah, so that's about all I can really say is I think we'll see. That's for sure. Uh, so the next question is how often do I try specific store picks? For me personally, so I want to start this by saying I think store picks are great. When I do have store picks, I enjoy them, but I very rarely get store picks. And for me specifically, it's because a lot of the stuff that I buy, I buy to give a review to everybody to um, be able to put it out there. And if it's a store pick, the way it's done in Ohio, it's actually the state of Ohio pick. But that those barrels are only available in Ohio. So you'll never have that exact barrel. And so a lot of my audience will never get the chance to try that barrel. So it doesn't make sense for me to review it. Um, so when I'm buying for pleasure, I will absolutely buy a store pick. Um, but I do that fairly not often at the moment because I try to put out as much content as I can, try to do as many reviews as I can. And so for me, I don't get too big into the store picks. I also like to, I really like to try a variety of things. 
And store picks are usually a higher end, more expensive bottle from like an expression of a specific type. Like let's say Four Roses Single Barrel. That's one that uh, Ohio had not too long ago. And I typically try to try a variety of things. And so these are a little bit higher end. It takes a little bit more of your money. And so there's so many non-allocated, non-store pick bottles that I still haven't tried. Unless you've been in this industry for years and years and years, it's highly likely that there are a ton of non-allocated, non-store pick bottles that you haven't tried. And so I like to try to try those. Um, but store picks definitely, don't get me wrong, they're, they can be great and definitely um, for maybe a special occasion or if I'm just treating myself to a bottle that I'm like, you know what, no, this is something that I want, then I will still do it, absolutely. Um, but I like to try to get the stuff that, that I can get, it's accessible, and then when I talk about it to my audience, everybody listening is able to get it, or at least most of the people hopefully are able to get their hands on it. But my opinion on store picks is absolutely, they're usually very good. Um, They can be a good way to um, get something a little bit unique, get something, like I said, they're usually a little bit higher end uh, because they're usually nicer barrels is the idea. You're picking a very good, very tasty barrel and you're selling it. So they can be good if you've never had one or if you're interested in that kind of a thing. Moving on to the next question, how can I make a good transition from bourbon to rye? So... Uh, and this person also said not big on the spice of rye. So I don't know if I'd really say that you should. I don't know if you should intentionally make a change from bourbon to rye or try to work your way into the, the spicier ryes. Uh, if you're to the point where bourbon tastes good and rye doesn't, then maybe it's just you need to stay there for a little while. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Now, if you're really determined, I would say if you're in bourbon and you want to get to rye, the the path of least resistance would probably be through high rye bourbons and then getting into high proof high rye bourbons and then into rye, ideally. But personally, um, I had this similar, not problem because I didn't mind as much about not being into rye, but I was in a similar situation where I was into bourbon and not into rye at some point. And so I didn't really worry much about it. And I think it just kind of naturally can tend to happen. Uh, As you get into the higher proof bourbons, as you get used to the spicier stuff, the higher rye bourbons and higher proof bourbons that have a little bit more bite to them, then by the time you're into high proof bourbons, you know, low proof ryes don't really bite you too hard. And um, by the time you're into the high proof stuff, you start to enjoy the bite a little bit. And so then maybe you even want like a higher proof rye. So I think it really just depends on your individual situation. But some ryes just still to this day, I'm not a huge fan of um, because it they can be a little bit unwelcoming, a little bit spicy. So I would say only make that transition if you really, really want to. And if you're going to do that, then you probably have to go through some high rye bourbons and just continue to drink rye until you kind of acquire the taste to it. The same way that I did with whiskey in general is I just kept drinking it until I had the taste for it. Um, and I'm sure you can do it that way. But I would just enjoy the journey where you're at. Don't worry about, oh, I haven't, I'm not really into rye yet. I'm not really into peated whiskey yet. Don't worry about that. When you get there, 
if you get there after you've been in bourbon for a super long time, then when you finally do get there, you're going to really appreciate it. If you burn through it all now, then later on, you're going to be like, oh man, there's nothing new that I'm, I haven't really tried. Um, so enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey with whiskey. It's not about how quickly you can try all the different kinds. It's just about enjoying as many kinds as you do enjoy. So that's my advice. And speaking of enjoying bottles, this next question is sharing expensive bottles, $80 and up with whiskey noobs, yay or nay. So what this person specifically asking is, should you share your expensive bottles with somebody who doesn't know very much about whiskey? That is fully your decision for some people because they put $80 and up. For some people, $80 and up is not very much money. For others, it is a lot of money. Um, I probably land in the category where for me, an $80 bottle is still a, a pretty expensive bottle. Now, I do typically share them with friends, especially if they really knock my socks off. Um, I'm thinking Barrel Seagrass. I, I've mentioned them before, I think, how much I enjoy it. And uh, it was, I think, $85. And I share it with a lot of people because I'm like, taste how amazing this is but those are people who they are noobs a a few of my friends i can think right off the bat of of three or four of my friends who i had try it who are all newer to whiskey but they do still appreciate whiskey it's not like they um would have tried it and not even really understood what they were even tasting Um, But I think it just, yeah, it just depends on your budget. And I actually mentioned before when I was talking about growing your collection, don't be afraid to be a little bit uh, frugal. I think frugal is the word for this. Don't be afraid to be selfish with your whiskey. You don't have to share your expensive bottles with people who are inexperienced or with anybody at all if you're trying to grow your collection. If you feel financially like you shouldn't share that with somebody, then don't. But I also would argue from the other side of that, that sharing an expensive bottle with somebody, um, seeing what they think about it, teaching them about it, or just enjoying the experience with them of a nice bottle is also a very fun experience. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, yeah, you just shouldn't do that. Uh, No, it can be a a fun experience. It's something that I think everybody should do. Um, And I think if you can afford to do it, you should. I shouldn't say everybody should do. I think it's something that everybody should have the chance to enjoy in their lifetime. But if you're not there right now with your budget, then I would say don't worry about it. Um, it's your bottle at the end of the day. You can do what you want with it. Just like you can mix it with Coke, you can decide not to share it with anybody. The next question is, what is my favorite whiskey and why? And they spell it with a uh, with no E, with just a Y. Um, so if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I've gotten similar questions before and I typically cannot give just any one favorite and I'm going to continue with that pattern for right now. And a big reason is that my favorite whiskey, a lot of times changes very often. So I'll give an example. Um, my favorite whiskey right now, how would I judge that? Well, I would say if I had an unlimited amount of every whiskey on my shelf right now, which one would I go to to drink? If I if I was like, you're going to drink this cup and it's not going to come out of your bottle. It's going to com- consistently regenerate. Which whiskey would I want to drink right now? And for me right now, that is barrel seagrass like I just mentioned. And that's because for me, it was something different. Um, it was the first very high proof rye. It's finished in all these different casks. And it just has this unique flavor to it that I really enjoyed. It was also my first bottle from Barrel, which I actually enjoy that company's um, whiskey quite a bit. 
And so it just, for me right now, it's a really enjoyable bottle, but that could change next week. I could buy a new bottle and then all of a sudden I have a new favorite. It just totally depends. Um, but I never try to, uh, just like, I, there's never been just one bottle that stood out above all of the other bottles. I also mentioned they spelled whiskey without the E. So I wanted to mention a scotch in, in this answer. And so if we're talking whiskey with no E, and my favorite right now is probably Bunahaben. Same kind of a reason. Um, it was my first bottle from Bunahaben. This is the Bunahaben 12 that I had on the show. And same kind of a reason. It was my first from that brand. And it is very unique. I thought it was super different. It's an Isla Scotch, but it's not peated at all. And if you uh, know, if you're familiar with Isla Scotch, a lot of Islas are very heavily peated. This was not. And so it was super unique. You got this this type of flavor where it did truly taste like an Isla Scotch without the peat, which isn't something you really experience elsewhere. So I enjoyed it for that reason. Um, so those are a couple of my favorites at the moment, but it's constantly fluctuating. So I don't want to, I don't have any whiskey where I'm like, this bottle right here is my all-time favorite. I just don't have that. Maybe someday I will, but I Honestly, I kind of doubt it. I think I will always have, I'll have maybe a top five or top 10, but I'll never have a favorite. And I'll probably never be able to tell you the same top five or top 10 twice in a row because it'll just change in my brain constantly. I'll think, oh, no, this one was really good too. This has to be in there. So so once again, a really long answer to um, a really short question. What's my favorite? Well, I am so bad at picking a favorite. So, so that's my answer. Now, moving on to the next one, how to have a higher level of taste. This one's pretty simple uh, for me. So there's a couple things. First of all, read flavor notes list. If you haven't already, try comparing whiskeys side by side because that will really teach you the different flavors whiskey can have. Read flavor notes lists, flavor wheels, all of those sorts of things because those will help you realize, oh, this is something I wouldn't have even thought to look for. Uh, blind tastings. I'm huge on blind tastings. Just taking two whiskeys side by side, have somebody else pour them for you or close your eyes and mix them up, whatever you got to do, do a blind tasting with them. And that will really help you because you really have to focus on it. Then uh, after all of those things, if you're still like, I just want to get my palate a little bit more trained, I guess. So a couple things. First of all, reps. Just trying different whiskeys. I'm not saying you should have five glasses in a row. Quite the opposite, actually. You don't want to be intoxicated if you're trying to uh, make your palate a little bit better. So quite the opposite, I would say to have very little, but have it more often. Um, Maybe one glass with dinner or something like that. And I'm not recommending that for health reasons, anything like that. Um, I personally try to take time off of whiskey sometimes because for, for just like the health and general things like that. But we're talking about making your taste better. And so that's another thing I would do. I would also say leaning away, and I did this with cigars when I was getting into cigars, leaning away from like hot sauce and very strong pungent foods for a while really helps make your palate more sensitive. Um, I did this with hot sauce when I was very first getting into cigars because I'm a huge hot sauce guy. And it really does work. I mean, you can really improve your palate if you're not constantly overstimulating it. Um, so that's another way that you can kind of... That, that's probably the best way if you have tried all the normal stuff and you're not just um, maybe a little bit newer to whiskey and you need to try some of those other things, then that that's the way you should go. But let's say you're like somebody who drinks whiskey regularly and you're like, I just want to have a more sensitive palate. I want to be able to pick up those finer details. 
I would say leaning away from the very punchy type of flavors will help you for a while. Eating, as weird as it sounds, eating slightly more bland of a diet uh, will help with that because your palate will be not used to being so stimulated like it is with the whiskey. At least help me for cigars. I would imagine it will work well for whiskey because I know for sure if I just had a really spicy dinner or if I've been eating a lot of spicy food lately, it's definitely harder to taste the notes. All right, moving on to the next one, Pennsylvania versus Maryland. Who's the rye whiskey state? I'll be totally honest with you. I do not have a horse in that race, but um, I was introduced to Pennsylvania as being a rye state uh, by Chris from Bourbon of the Week, if you listened to that episode, which was episode 73 of the podcast. Um, so I always just thought, not always, but since then, I've been like, oh yeah, Pennsylvania is a, is, a, is the rye state. I've never really researched how much Maryland is more the rye state than Pennsylvania or less. Um, so I do, from a quick Google, search you can see that there is a a prideful um a pride in rye whiskey in both of those states i don't really have a horse in the race i've heard of brands of rye from both of the states so i can't really say which one's the rye whiskey state but i will say i'm closer to pennsylvania so i'll say pennsylvania probably just because i had chris on the show and he said that uh pennsylvania he's from pennsylvania and you know he said the the one rye whiskey brand from there he really enjoys so I guess I'll, I'll go that way for now until I have somebody from Maryland on the show, and then they can convince me otherwise. All right, moving on to the next question. We've got three questions that I'm combining uh, because they were pretty similar, which is another thing that I might start doing <laughs> with the, uh, the amount of questions we got for this episode. So these three questions were the best entry bourbon, the best bourbon for $25 or less, and the best bourbon under $50. So I combined all three of these because I can kind of touch on all of these points at the same time, really. So the best entry bourbon that, if we're just imagining in your mind, you can get a hold of any bourbon is probably, for me, Buffalo Trace or Weller Special Reserve. Weller Special Reserve has really become a more prevalent beginner bourbon for me lately, but it's also very hard to find. Both of which are very tasty, very inexpensive. Weller's $23. Buffalo Trace, I believe, is $27. Now, those are pretty much impossible for some folks to get, so let's not say those ones. What else is a good entry-level or just really tasty bourbon for $25 or less? I would probably go two different routes. For like a sweet and um, kind of not super bitey, I'd say Evan Williams Bottled and Bond. Delicious drink. $20, I want to say, very inexpensive. And then for a little bit more bite, a little bit more spice, I'd say Wild Turkey 101. More spice, but also more complex. Maybe a little bit tougher to drink, but you're actually seeing some more complexity in the palate of it. So both of those really have their own merits um, for different reasons, but I like both of those. So then that last part, which was what is the best bourbon under $50, I guess I am kind of answering that separately. The best bourbon under $50, I would say, I'll be honest, I'm kind of having to look around me and look at my shelf and think what I like. I really liked Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. I think that's exactly $50. I really like Wild Turkey Rare Breed. I think that's exactly $50. And then for a bit less at $45, you have probably heard me say it before, I love Four Roses Single Barrel. I think that is a great drink. But uh, since it's a single barrel, you never know if you're going to get a bad barrel. But most of the time, I think it's a good drink. Okay. Moving down the list here, we have what is my go-to. 
I truly do not have a go-to. Um, what I typically do, like my go-to meaning the the whiskey that I'm just going to drink if I'm just like, hey, I want a glass of whiskey. Let's grab the normal. I don't really have a normal. Uh, what my normal is, is I have a bunch of bottles that are getting low, like less than half down to like a third of the bottle being left. And I usually pick from those. And I usually try to get rid of those so that the, the whiskey doesn't get you know worse of a flavor. It will oxidize as, as it sits on the shelf. And so I usually go to those. So those are my go-tos, but I don't really have a specific go-to. The next question, what's the worst thing someone can do to a whiskey? This actually maybe could have been in the lightning round because what I'm going to say is the worst thing you can do to a whiskey is not enjoy it. Uh, if you do whatever you're doing to enjoy it, if you're adding, okay, maybe let's not get too crazy with what you're doing to the whiskey, <laughs> but if you're adding Coke or 7-Up or something like that to it, I think that's what this person's getting at. What's the worst thing you can do? Make it into a margarita, make it into a mule, whatever. If you like any of those things, do it. Um, you can enjoy whiskey any way that you see fit so long as you paid for it. Um, so maybe the worst thing that some, you know what, I will say one bad thing you can do to a whiskey that I can think of that actually is like, why would you do that? The worst thing that I think you can do to a whiskey is waste a whiskey, like dump it down the drain, shatter the bottle, whatever, on social media for clout. Some of you probably have seen the videos that I'm talking about. You see it a lot with like Blanton's, Eagle Rare, a lot of Buffalo Trace products because they're so hard to come by. And people will dump it out or whatever for clout as like, a oh, this video is going to blow up because I destroyed this expensive whiskey. You're still allowed to do whatever you want with it if you paid for it. I will say that technically, but I'm not saying it's the right thing because there are people out there, there are a lot of people who get a hold of me and message me who are dying to try these bottles and you're wasting them to try to get likes on social media. So I will say that annoys me. But as far as drinking it however you want, yeah, drink it however you want. If you're paying for it, you drink it however you want it. The next question is a good cheap whiskey. They specified $10 to $20. Uh, I believe, yeah, no, I don't just believe. I know for sure. The first whiskey ever on this show uh, is Rebel Bourbon. And at the time, it was, I want to say, $15 or $16. It might be a bit more now. Um, but that's a good one for being as cheap as it is. Uh, Benchmark 8 is a very good, very inexpensive whiskey. In Ohio, I think it's either $10 or $11. Very inexpensive, very tasty, also from Buffalo Trace. Same mash bill as Buffalo Trace, actually. It's their little brother. Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare, kind of their, their little brother. So that's another good one. Let's move over to Irish. Uh, Tullamore Dew, I think, is about $20. So if you want to try an Irish for 20 bucks, give that a try. I really enjoy that as well. Off the top of my head, I can't think of a scotch that I've had for under $20. Scotches tend to be more expensive, at least near me. So I, I can't think of one right now. Now, the next question is, I am new to bourbon. And I enjoy Elijah Craig small batch. What is a similar sub $40 drink? So, of course, Buffalo Trace is one that I compare to Elijah Craig, but kind of difficult to get. Similar kind of a flavor going on. I would also say Old Granddad Bottled and Bond. It has that similar like a light candy type of a note um, that that one has. Going a different direction, Cooper's Craft 100, Cooper's Craft Barrel Reserve, it is a little bit darker, a little bit a little bit more punchy, um, but also in that same price range. So I recommend any of those um, for sub 40. Oh, sub 40, I guess, is also um, Woodford Reserve. I really like that. It's also got that nice sweetness to it, just general kind of sweet bourbon-y flavor. 
So I did do a whole um, budget bourbon March Madness bracket on TikTok. You can go check that out. I think it might have been on Instagram as well. I can't remember if I was on Instagram that much by that time or not, but it's definitely on TikTok. So you can go check that out and get a lot of those similarly, similar, similarly priced bourbons. Almost to the end of our full speed questions or full answer, full response questions. The next one we have is the top three underrated whiskeys at BevMo slash Total Wine. Um, I don't know why I didn't put this in the lightning round because I do know what I plan to say for it. And that is that there aren't either of those stores very near me. So I cannot say because I don't shop at either of those stores. The only time I've been to one is I've, I've gone to Total Wines when I'm in different states. Um, but I don't even know if there's total wine in Ohio at all. I'm going to say probably not. Um, and so there's, there's no, neither of those stores very close to me, but for an underrated whiskey, that's just available, just like widely available. I'd say any of those, uh, sub 40 bourbons that I just mentioned are pretty solid. The next question is my favorite and easy cocktail recipe. So just like my favorite out of the easy cocktail recipes. Uh, so just to name a few, you say cocktail, um, but I'm going to stick with whiskey cocktail. I love uh, the Gold Rush. It is honey syrup, lemon juice, and whiskey. And I really like that. It's kind of just like a different version of a whiskey sour. And of course, I love old fashions. They can be very easy to make, especially if you have some sort of a simple syrup, a maple syrup, a brown sugar syrup, whatever. If you've got it already made, uh, they can be very easy to make. So Old fashions are pretty much my go-to, and I did just post uh, my favorite old fashioned, which was based on episode 73. So if you want to listen to episode 73, or if you want to check it out on Instagram or TikTok, um, I did post it on both of those as well. So pretty easy recipe and delicious old fashioned. Moving on to the next question, something similar to Blanton's. I don't honestly have anything off the top of my head that's similar to Blanton's. There's also the fact that, that Blanton's is single barrel. So all the different barrels taste a little bit different. Um, so I can't say if I have a great answer for something similar to Blanton's. Here's what I will say. Don't get stuck on like Blanton's or like trying something similar to a whiskey that you can't get. Don't worry so much about that. Um, every whiskey is different. They're all snowflakes, except for maybe if they're sourced from the same place. Uh, but they're all different in their own regard. So just enjoy whiskeys and odds are you're going to like, I can almost guarantee you if you're just enjoying different types of whiskeys, the odds are you are going to find one that you like. And then when you try Blanton's, you're going to say, Oh, I like X more. Like for example, barrel seagrass. I probably like that more than Blanton's tastes nothing like Blanton's totally different ball game, but I probably like it more. And so, you know, if you are just worried about something tasting like a specific type, I just would want to, you want you to bear in mind that uh, there's probably one out there that you like better than that one. That was my clever, very clever way of dodging that question because I can't think of one off the top of my head. Maybe I will loop back around to that at some point because I can't think of one that reminds me much of Blanton's. So I just got up and literally just took a whiff of the Blanton's and thought, what is this reminding me of right now? And honestly, maybe it's just a trick of the brain because it's sitting pretty close proximity to it, but it did remind me of Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. So maybe there's something there, maybe there's not. But um, like I said, I, I think... I would focus on enjoying different things right now. Um, or if you haven't had Blanton's, I would just focus on enjoying something, finding something that you do like, and not worry so much about chasing that. Oh, I want something that's similar to Blanton's. I wouldn't worry too much about that. That's just me personally, though. 
And the last of the fully answered questions. Would I rather buy two good whiskeys for $30 each, $30 each, or one really good one for $60? I don't have an answer to this question because it really, truly, totally depends. I fully am, I would say, with the intent of this question, I think, is probably on your average day. And on my average day, I would buy two $30 whiskeys probably because I always mention I'm all about the variety. I'm all about learning what you like. But there is something to be said for buying the the good $60 whiskey, uh, the really good $60 whiskey as they put it in this question. I do that as well. And I do, I'll do really good $80 whiskeys. It just, it really depends. So if I'm in the mood for something a little bit nicer, if I'm like, I haven't treated myself to a good whiskey then I will do it. But more often than not, I'm not treating myself. So that's kind of where that lies. Is I love treating myself to the $60 bottle, but I also consider that treating myself. And so I don't do it super often. And so I spend more time, um, maybe $30 is a little bit low, but I spend more time between the 30 and $60 range than at the $60 mark probably. But there's an occasion for each, I would say. All right, let's move on to the lightning round and see how quickly I can get through all of these questions. So once again, thank you to everybody who submitted these questions and let's answer them for the first ever Whiskey Noobs lightning round. First question, what are ways to become involved with one's local whiskey community? I would say the best way, you know, the internet is a great resource. I would hop on Facebook groups. Uh, Reddit has a lot of uh, subreddits on it or just hang out at places that your local whiskey community is going to be at. Look up local bourbon tastings or any kind of an upcoming whiskey event. Uh, Go to like bourbon type bars or nice cocktail bars. A lot of times maybe it's not specifically a bourbon bar, but it's a cocktail bar that has a lot of good bourbons, cigar shops, things like that. Uh, That's probably the best way. But like I said, the internet is a great resource, Uh, Facebook groups, subreddits, those sorts of things. Next question, what bourbon is worth $100 to $200? And then I combine this question with my favorite over $100 bottle. I've answered this question kind of slightly before. Um, anything in the over $100 range, when somebody asks my favorite or what you know, what's the best one, I would say none that I have had yet because I haven't had one that I'm like, this is totally my favorite over $100. And so I would say I am saving myself for that special over $100 whiskey. Um, but I can't say I recommend any yet because I haven't had enough of a volume of them. Next question. Do I have a budget Irish whiskey under $15? The closest to that that I can think of uh, for right now is Tullamore Dew. I think it's $20, though. It's not $15, but I did mention that earlier, actually. The next question. Santan Distilling Thoughts. Uh, It doesn't appear to be offered in Ohio, so I haven't seen it before and haven't had it. Next question. Which wood is the most difficult to work with? I'm guessing they mean like actual woodworking, and I don't do very much woodworking, but I know for certain that oak is a pain in the butt to work with, specifically red oak I have worked with before, and it is a very hard wood. Um, Moving on to the next question. Best whiskey for the money? Um, And this person said, there's this Weller 12 if you can find it. Uh, And then I combine that question with the best bourbon for the money. If you can find it, it depends. For the money is really tough because we're talking about all different price ranges, but I would say uh, Weller Special Reserve is a really good one for the money. Um, Anything allocated is probably going to be one of the best for the money because that's why you can't get it is because people tried it and they said, oh, this is tastes better than it costs. And so now it's really hard to find. So my answer would be probably something allocated. 
The next question, how often do I travel to Kentucky? Um, actually, I have not been to Kentucky. I'm currently planning my first trip to go there and to see some of those distilleries. When I first got into whiskey, I was a broke college student, and I've been doing the Whiskey Noobs podcast ever since then. My life with this podcast is outlandishly busy, and honestly, I just haven't had the time or resources to do it yet. I'm planning my first trip. Stay tuned. I'm very excited for it. Next question. What are my thoughts on Garrison Brothers? I have had just a normal Garrison Brothers bourbon. I really liked it. I thought it had a ton of flavor and it's definitely unique. The next question, what happened to the riddles? So the riddles, for those of you who don't know, is early in the show, whenever I'd have a guest on, I would ask them a riddle while we were doing the review because I say whiskey is for thinking, whiskey is for pondering. And so I'd ask them a riddle. And I kind of quit doing those. And in all honesty, it started off by forgetting. And I started forgetting whenever I moved studios, moved locations where I lived and had to move my studio. And um, it started by forgetting when I was doing that. And then after that, I'm like, well, I'm not really sure if this fits the flow of the show. But I'll be honest with you, if you want them back, let me know and we can make that happen. I can look up some more riddles and I can start bringing them back into my guest interviews. The next question, my top three rise. I don't feel like I'm experienced enough to recommend rise. If I'm being entirely honest, I am still getting into the rye world. But I did just have Chris Fredrickson from Traverse City on the show, and I mentioned how much I liked their barrel-proof rye, and that was not just blowing smoke. I actually really like their barrel-proof rye. It's a little bit more expensive, slightly higher end. For cheaper, uh, bullet rye is always available, always cheap. If you can find it, baby Sazerac, Sazerac rye, uh, it's very inexpensive if you can find it at retail price, and I really enjoy that as well. So those maybe maybe are not my top three, but it is three ryes that I like. Next question. Do I make my own simple syrup for cocktails? Yes, I absolutely do. Simple syrup at the store to me is a waste of money. Simple syrup can be so easy to make. It does go bad pretty quickly, but honestly, I just will make up a batch whenever I am going to be making multiple cocktails with simple syrup. Otherwise, I just nuke some water in the microwave, throw in an equivalent amount of sugar, stir it up really good, throw it in the freezer, and then I use it to make a cocktail once it cools down. The next question, my favorite Texas bourbon. I haven't had very many Texas bourbons, so I will say uh, Garrison Brothers and Balcones. I know I've had both of those, and I enjoy both of them. Um, The best whiskey under $30, that would be probably episode 52 of this show. What's the difference between all of the types of bullet bourbons out there? They have a normal, just run-of-the-mill bullet bourbon. Uh, they have a 10-year, which is older and would should be more flavorful, I would assume, but I have not had it. And they also have a, a barrel-proof. And what barrel-proof means is it's not watered down, so it's going to have more flavor, but it's also going to have a lot more punch, a lot more alcohol burn. The next question, do you plan on making a podcast for the love of any other spirit? I don't currently have any other spirit that I know enough about. Um, The next runner-up for whiskey, I don't know very much about it, but I just enjoy it, is tequila. Um, But I, I don't know enough about any other spirit to make a podcast about it. I would definitely consider another podcast on spirits or cocktails, or maybe they take a backseat to the conversations that are happening, something like that. Um, I would totally consider that, but I have a lot to learn in the other categories, especially just spirits in general, cocktails, other spirits, those sorts of things. The next question, what proof bourbon is it okay to add water to? Any proof that you like, and also you don't have to add water, just to be clear, but if you want to add water, you can add it to any proof that you like. If 80 proof is too hot for you, add a little bit of water or take a sip of water and then leave a little bit in your mouth and then drink it. The next question, what are my top 10 favorite whiskeys and top 10 budget whiskeys? So separately. 
So that could be a whole episode for sure. Um, but I do have budget bourbon March Madness on TikTok for the budget stuff. And for non-budget options, I do really like Barrel lately, as I've mentioned. Uh, Buffalo Trace, I love all their stuff a lot of the times. Not at secondhand prices, but if you can find it, I like it. Uh, Bunahaben 12 and Redbreast to hit the, um, the the scotch and the Irish whiskey categories. I like both of those. And that's about all I can say on that for now. Because as I said, that could be a, a whole episode in itself. The next question, what is a unicorn bottle for me? Honestly, anything Buffalo Trace except for actual Buffalo Trace, Weller Special Reserve, and Weller Antique is pretty much impossible for me to find. So I'll just say that those are my unicorn bottles. Uh, moving down the list here, we've got Dalmore, yay or nay? I have not had it. The next question, my favorite Dorito flavor and would they affect the taste of whiskey? I don't know if they still make them or not, but I used to love the Buffalo Wings Doritos Jacked. They were like the extra thick, extra flavor covered Doritos that are probably horrendous for you. Love those. Um, And then my answer to will it affect my taste of whiskey? Absolutely. I think any food will affect your palate. Uh, You can see episode 19 for that. The next question, talk distribution. New Rift can be delivered to California, but not sold in stores. WTF. Uh, my answer to this, newer distilleries will often have limited distribution. They are trying to get a foothold in their area, and maybe they're really good, so they blow up in your air, in their area, and you're seeing them online. You're mad that you can't get them, um, but a lot of times that will be the case. They're trying to get a foothold in their area. Also, some states are harder than others and just have really difficult distribution laws, and so it just depends on the state. Overall, the whole distribution system within the United States, I would say, can be a disaster in some parts of, of the country, so... That's my answer. It's not necessarily the cheeriest answer in the world. Next question, Bullet Bourbon Review, episode 29 for a Bullet Bourbon Review. The next question, rate whiskey cocktails. I would say Old Fashioned is the top cocktail for me. As I mentioned before, I do like a Gold Rush if I want something a little bit less strong. Of course, a whiskey sour is good. If I want something totally different, I like a Kentucky Mule. The next question is a good whiskey for crown drinkers. I would say probably try Pendleton. Uh, It's also Canadian whiskey, but it's bottled in America. But it has a, a similar vibe to it with that white sugary taste. Next question. If I go to a bar and they have a nice selection of whiskey, how do I choose what to order? It almost fully depends on my mood, but usually I try something that I have not had in a while and also am not planning to buy very soon. Maybe it's a bottle. Maybe there's a bottle that I see there that I haven't had, but I'm going to buy it probably. Uh, Then I just won't do it. But if I don't plan on buying it anytime soon, I haven't had it. I will try it. Next question will be a Whistle Pig six-year review. And the question after that that I'm pairing with it is, what's my favorite 100% rye mash bill? I, I have had Whistle Pig six year twice, and I enjoyed it, but you have to like rye spiciness. And it's the only 100% rye mash bill that I can think of that I've had just looking at recent rye whiskeys that come to mind. So sure, let's say Whistle Pig six year. The next question, my thoughts on Pendleton Midnight. I have not tried it, but I've heard it was good by other people, and I also like Pendleton, so I may have to be trying that soon. The next question, the best whiskeys or bourbons to make old-fashioned. Um, they also said the also the best mixers. Uh, I would say episode 73, we talk a lot about old fashions in that episode, but it's highly dependent on the cocktail that you want to make and how you want it to taste. Moving on, we've only got three left here, guys. The best E.H. Taylor. I've only tried single barrel and small batch. I've never owned full bottles of E.H. Taylor, so I've never had it on multiple occasions to really give a good answer to that. So I feel like I cannot say what the best E.H. Taylor is. The next question, I want to enjoy bourbon without mixing with Coke. Please help. I would recommend for you episodes two, four, and six of this podcast. 
Last question. Can I do a review of a Hawaiian whiskey? A quick Google search shows that I cannot find any in my area or in Ohio in general. Um, so I will be keeping an eye out or maybe if I'm out of state, I will keep an eye out for something like that. That's pretty unique. I would like to try that at some point. All right. That is all of the questions. I ran through that lightning round pretty quick, but I definitely took longer than anticipated with the lightning round. So hopefully we'll get better at it as that continues to go on. I'm going to give one more quick review of this mystery whiskey, and then we're going to wrap it up. All right. So as I mentioned, this has a good, sweet, grainy uh, scent to it on the nose. And then on the palate, you've got good like honey type sweetness, maybe a little bit of white sugar. Definitely a little bit of maltiness and a light fruit that I wouldn't tell you what it was earlier, but now I will tell you it is definitely a peachiness. This peachiness, I never got from this whiskey until I read it and I was like, oh my gosh, I read that peach was one of the notes and I was like, it just clicked for me and I was like, that is one of those rare instances where the notes that the distiller says are pretty spot on for my palate and I was like, that is definitely what I'm tasting. Of course, I am drinking Bushmills Black Bush. Hasn't been on the show for a pretty long time, so I apologize if that was a hard one to guess. And also, I had to give quick notes because we had so many questions. But thank you guys so much for all of these questions. I love the participation. I love that I'm answering questions you actually want to hear me talk about. You can submit a question if you want on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs. Every Wednesday on my story, you can submit your very own question, and I will answer it here on the show until I physically am incapable of squeezing them all into an episode. But I will keep trying with these lightning rounds. So once again... Thank you guys for submitting your questions. Those are all the questions that I've got for this episode. So I will leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to WhiskeyNoobsPodcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.